0: You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. I'm back (laughs) that was the shortest meet and greet of all time (laughs) you know that it's like (laughs) normally it's two minutes there's hugging There's no I'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, man guys once again it is so good to be with you and we are continuing in our Ephesians series and uh, I uh, you know it's interesting we've been walking through the book of Ephesians this fall and uh, it's been such an important and good book for us as a church as we're growing. In fact, when people say, if you're going to plant a church, you're going to start a church, the first book you should go through is Ephesians. I found that out after I felt like I was heading in that direction. I'm like, well, I think we should go through Ephesians. It was one of those affirming moments. And it's because the book speaks to our identity in Christ, who we are in Jesus because of Jesus and because of what he's done. It also speaks to... I, what is it, it, this good news, this gospel, this identity, how does that now flow into our day-to-day lives? How does that flow from our heads to our hearts to our hands and our feet? How does it flow from an idea or a belief or faith into action, into our everyday lives? And the emphasis of this second half of the book that we're going to be starting today as we jump, jump into chapter 4 is not this. It's not, okay guys, now, you know, you better pull this together. Uh, You better start behaving, uh, you know, because you're a Christian. Like, look at all these things that Jesus done. That's not really the emphasis. In fact, the way I like to describe it is this. Because of who you are, this is who you are, so act like it. It's not act like it so you can be these things so you can be saints and you can be yeah, uh, one and you can uh, be saved and all these kind of things. It's not, you have to do all these things so that you will be identified as the, all these things that we've walked through this fall. But no, instead it is, you are this, so now live it. You are this, you are saved, so now live as a saved person. One of the things I, I often quote is this quote, it says, sin may explain your activity But it's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. Sin may explain your activity, the reason why you do things, the reason why we all have a propensity to brokenness, but it's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And so now live by the power of the Holy Spirit out your Identity, And this is what is going to happen in this text because Paul, instead of just talking about theological ideas about who Jesus is and who we are, he's now calling us, instructing us, encouraging us to now live in light of our call, to live in light of our calling. And so, if you are willing and able, would you please stand in honor of God's word, the most important words you're going to hear today. As we read Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in, in verse 1. And you're going to start, you're going to see Paul starts with this word, therefore. And the thing you always have to ask, what is therefore? Therefore, right? And therefore is therefore, in light of everything I've just told you, about who you are and about who Jesus is and what he's done. Now this, are you ready? Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. To lead a life worthy of your calling. To live in light of who you are. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. God, this is your word. I'm so grateful for it this morning. In fact, as I read and I was thinking about this text for this Sunday, I think in this time, in this moment, in our society and culture and all that kind of stuff, these words are so, so key and important for us to learn. And I think that by your Holy Spirit, you placed this text on this Sunday for a purpose and a reason. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak to us now. I welcomed you into this space, and we welcome you into our hearts. We ask that you would sanctify us, make us more like Jesus. We ask that you would change us. We ask that you would uh, help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, not oh, just us trying to, trying to do it, trying to work harder. By the power of your Holy Spirit to live in light of this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I was just praying, I'll tell you, I think this text lines up perfectly, perfectly with the season, with the time of what God wants to say to us. I, there's moments like these, it's really odd. I've experienced this in different ways throughout my time in ministry, um, where you don't talk to the worship band and the songs are like just perfect, just totally completely in line. They had no idea what you were talking about. We don't do that at Rail City. We're a little bit more organized than that. But back in your youth ministry days, it's like, I don't know how the worship guy, this song is just perfect. And there's moments where there's certain messages that also just line up with the season and a time that we, we find ourselves in. And I think that this text is just a moment where we get a peek behind the curtain that Jesus is in control, that he is speaking to his church. He is still building his church. That there is something going on more than than what meets the eye Uh, and and he's doing it through this text today um here's why I think it fits the challenges our country our province our region are facing uh, and the the challenges that are also facing us as a church moving a location last minute there are all sorts of other things though that in this time right now are dividing people Dividing people, uh, that, that dividing families, dividing friends, dividing churches. It's politics. It's uh, potentially spiritual. Could be theological. But Paul begs us. I, li- I liked how the NLT put it. Um, the NIV says, uh, therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. Paul says, he says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, I beg you to live and lead a life worthy of the calling in which we have been called. For you have been called, not by me, not by Paul, but by God. God has called us to something that is higher. God has called us to something that is greater. God has called us to something that is bigger than ourselves. He, he says, you've been called by God. Now live in light of that calling. Do not be divided. Do not be disunified. But instead, be humble. Be gentle. Be loving. Be unified. These are the things he calls us to. And these are the the four things I want to talk to us about today that I think are so key for us in a time of great division. To always be a people who are humble, gentle, loving, and unified. I want to start with this idea of be humble. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of this story when it comes to the quality of humility. There's a guy named uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. You ever heard of him? He was uh, him and, uh, and, and uh, Tinzing Norgay uh, were the first men, the first people to ever ascend and summit Mount Everest. They were the first people to ever make it to the top, to plant their flag, to say That we had been here, it was an incredible feat. It was an incredible uh, feat for for humanity. It was it's the equivalent, in some ways, of a man going to the moon. This is something that was unthinkable at a time, in in different times in history, and yet they did it. And there's this story about Sir Edmund Hillary. He was in uh, he was walking around Nepal, and there was some 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 people who had come there to to do the same hike the same ascent that he once did. And they saw Sir Edmund Hillary, uh, and, uh, and they, they looked at and said, hey, can, can we take a photo together? So he said, oh, yeah, of course. And uh, he's British. I, I'm sure he said a little bit more British than that. Uh, but uh, he, he said, yeah, absolutely. They gathered around. They went to take a picture. After they took the first picture, they said, wait a second. Can you actually hold an ice pick so you look the part? I said, sure, okay. Right, he gets the ice pick, he holds it. They take the photo. One of the guys who's in the photo looks back and they look at Sir, Sir Edmund Hillary and we got his picture. Where's that picture? You can put it up here. I'd love to, there he is, right? Sir Edmund Hillary. And they said, um, hey Edmund, you're holding the ice pick wrong. Can you turn it around? He said, like, sure. turns around the ice pick, takes the photo. Now, if I'm Sir Edmund Hillary, I'm like, excuse me? You're telling me I'm holding an ice pick wrong? <laughs> I was the first man to summit Mount Everest. Don't tell me how to hold an ice pick, right? He's like, he could have gotten all British. And I'm a sir, right? I've been made a lord, right? Like, you know, and I'm a Sir Edmund Hillary. Like, don't, don't question how I hold this ice pick. Take the photo, move on, right? He could have, he could have been outraged. And yet we see in him just this quality of humility. Sure. Turns around the ice pick, smiles, takes the picture. I think there's something so beautiful about humility, the quality of humility. In fact, when we look at that story, many of us hold him up in higher esteem. He could have berated and, uh, you know, I won't take this photo. I'm Sir Edmund Hillary, right? So he just smiles, he turns around the ice pick, he snaps the photo. It's just a, it's a picture of humility. And we look at that story and, and we think, wow, what a great man, what a humble man. But humility wasn't always held up in such high esteem in human history. It wasn't always a virtue. In fact, in, in the eyes of the Romans and the Greeks, it was to be frowned upon. It was looked down upon as the Roman citizens would have heard these words that Paul wrote, be humble. Excuse me? Humility? This isn't a value. This isn't a virtue. This isn't something we should live for. They would have been surprised. But a couple thousand years ago, something changed. 2,000 years ago, what we just celebrated at Christmas, the God of the universe came down among us. He became humble. He lived. He put on human flesh. He breathed the same air that we breathe. He, 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 the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created hair and fingerprints, the God who, who created everything, became a human being and redefined what greatness is. Redefined what we value as humanity. Something shifted, and you can look at this in history. No one thought of humility as something to uh, be ascribed to or live out. But about 2,000 years ago, there began to be just a right-hand turn, a change in people's perspective on this virtue called humility. So much so, that Aristotle talked about humility as the deciding factor in persuasion. In persuasion. He said, when, when we are to persuade people, he, those who are humble actually are the most persuasive of people. What changed? It was Jesus 2,000 years ago. And Paul recognized this. He talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, where where he he speaks to this quality of humility. We'll start in verse 3 and 4. It's actually the second slide here, not the first, where he says this, friends, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests only, but take an interest in others too. And then he said this in verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Or as the NLT says it, this, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We are called to follow Jesus in a lifestyle of humility. humility, To have this mind. To not be selfish. To not try and impress others. But to be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. I've heard it said, I believe it was Rick Warren. He said humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's it's not the degrading of oneself to think I'm a worm. You know, I'm just, ah, I'm just... no, it's, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's actually thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is the choice to forego your status and use your influence for the good of others before yourself. And this will rub those of us who think we know everything and got it figured out in the wrong way. In fact, I think that Christians sometimes, we can be so snobbish. We can be so arrogant. We can look down our noses at the world. You've got it so wrong, and we have it so right. And, and, and we have just this sense of this air of pride and arrogance to us sometimes, especially online. Like, why is the representation of Christ online constantly just a bunch of stuck-up Christians? Especially in light of the text. And what, especially in light of who our God is. When did we forget about the God of the universe who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant? Yes, we can walk in assurance and confidence that the word of God is true. Yes, we can walk, we, we, can, we can have a sense of, of, of just, yes, we, we know this is the truth. But we are called to do so Humbly. I you know, I'm this this is off the cuff, but I think of Peter where he says we're always called to to make a defense for the hope that we have within us, but with humility, to do so humbly. We are called to be humble like Jesus. And, the, and especially in these uncertain and unprecedented times, we're called to humility. There was a story I heard uh, about there, there was a plane that was going to crash. Uh, and as the plane was going around, there was only three, three parachutes and four guys on the plane. One was the pilot. The second was a Harvard professor. The third was a pastor. And the fourth was a backpacker. And there was this, this huge debate about who was going to get the parachutes. Uh, well, the pilot said, well, listen, this is my plane. I own the parachutes. I'm taking one. Okay? They didn't disagree with him. They said, fine, go ahead. He takes the parachute. He jumps. The second, there was a Harvard uh, the Harvard pre- professor. He said, I'm one of the most brilliant minds on the planet. My mind must be saved. <laughs> he took the parachute. He put it on his back, and he jumped. Okay? And he jumped. The pastor said to the backpacker, well, listen, I know where I'm going. You can take the parachute and jump, all right? The backpacker responds, well, listen, you don't need to do that. The genius over there just took my backpack and jumped off the plane. (laughs) Why are we called to be humble? We're called to be humble because it makes sense. Because no one's an expert in everything. And the thing I've found, the more that I know, the more I realize I don't know. Friends, could we be a people who are humble? Can we choose humility instead of pride and arrogance? This is what Paul is calling us to. He says, listen, always be humble. Always. Not sometimes. Not just at church. Not when it's convenient. Always be humble. Would you always be humble? And secondly, he says, would you be gentle? Now, it's interesting um, when you look at the text. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord... Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called for God. Always be humble and be gentle. I think many of us, when we think of gentleness, we think of weakness. We think the weak are gentle. It's lumped in with words like meekness or submissiveness or humility, putting oneself second, lowering oneself, gentle. Especially, and in, in, you know, I don't. It's not exclusively to the gender of men. Uh, but men especially don't like gentleness, right? We, 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 oh, you know, we got to want to be, we, we grew up in a culture that told us to be rough and tough and strong. Not gentle, not gentle. And so this is why it's shocking both to the Greek and the Roman as they heard this. As Paul wrote these words and they would have read it in that time, be humble, what? Be gentle. Are you kidding? But it, Gentleness is actually a fruit of the Spirit, right? It says that the we the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Gentleness is, is actually a, a, a title that is given to Jesus. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Come to me, all who are weary. Right? Paul describes Jesus as the God of gentleness. He is gentle with us, he is graceful. With us, I want to redefine gentleness for us. Gentleness, and if you heard my sermon in Fruit of the Spirit, uh, a mariner, I don't know, t- two years ago or something like that, gentleness is strength under control. Gentleness is strength under control. In fact, the Greek word for this, this word gentleness is this word praotis, praotis, which means gentle force or gentle strength. It's actually the illustration is of a powerful, wild stallion that has, has, has been reined in to control its force and its strength to direct it in certain directions. It, it's, it's actually the power of a, a very strong animal being put under control to be directed by its master strength it's actually gentleness, is strength under control for the master's use. It's the image of, and you can put it up here, a crocodile, okay, that holds, kind of, let's put up that picture. Where is it? You don't have it? Okay, not everything, obviously the slides didn't all sync up. There's this really incredible picture of a crocodile that holds within its mouth its, its young. Baby crocodiles will find refuge within the mouth of its mother. Now, a crocodile can chomp down suddenly with 35,000 PSI, okay? Uh, and and it, it's, it's, or sorry, it's, it's actually the equivalent uh, of it, it can crush bones. It can destroy its prey with a single clamp. But what is happening here, oh, gosh. Something's going on here. Are you googling it? <laughs> it's a really amazing image. As you just see this little baby crocodile p- poking its head out of its mother's mouth. It's not that the crocodile is not strong. It's that it's using its strength under control, and this is what Paul is calling us to. Is to, to, to many of you are incredibly strong, <laughs> physically, mentally. You have incredible strengths and gifts. You have insights. You have expertise. You have have strength. But the call to gentleness is to use our strength under control for the master's use. Gentleness is is powerful. Jesus says, blessed are those who are meek. It's actually the same word, preotis. Blessed are those who are Gentle. For they will inherit the earth. This is the opposite to what we might expect. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the rich. Blessed are the strong and the talented. For they will inherit the earth. No. He says, blessed are the gentle. For they will inherit the earth. There is something so persuasive. Something so likable. Something so powerful. About those who are gentle that the whole world will belong to them, this text says. What? See, when we act gently, we demonstrate to the world, to your spouse, to your kids, to your barista, when they write your name wrong or get your order wrong, to your friends, to your family, We, we, we represent to them the grace of God. It's an incredibly powerful quality. Here's what this means. Practically, when someone disagrees with you, listen and yet express your opinion winsomely when someone disappoints you be gentle rather than judgmental when someone is serving you and messes up be understanding not demanding and i got to be honest i struggle with gentleness i i am a i'm a big personality i am scottish which means i have big reactions to things be humble okay I, I think I can do that. Be gentle. Oi, okay. That's going to be hard. <laughs> I'm quick to speak. I, I'm, I, I, I have a quick tongue. God has given me the gift of the gab, and it can be used to glorify him, but it also can be used to quickly cut something down or someone down. I struggle with gentleness. Maybe you do too, but we are called to be humble and be gentle. This convicting for me, and maybe it is... For us, and I think especially in times like these, man, could we use some humility on both sides, right? Could we use some gentleness with each other? Absolutely. Uh, I think of this story as in Calgary, uh, visiting my sister-in-law, and we went to the movie theater. And uh, there was just this long, long, like, like extraordinarily long line for popcorn. Okay? There's always a long line this pre-pandemic. And everyone in the line is just getting so frustrated. You start talking to each other. What's taking so long? Gosh, this is and there was only one line. You couldn't even switch to another line, right? It was just, just the one line for popcorn in Calgary. And we're all lining up and, and every person is to get to the till. What's going on here? What's the wait? What's going on? Right? They they they're getting frustrated. Can I talk to the manager, please? I remember as I arrived up at the counter, I look at this girl standing there, and she's just tense. I look, and she's got her name tag, and underneath there's that sticker. It says, in training, in training. She, She was in training. And I could just tell how tense she was, and I was ready. I had my speech ready. I was ready to just tell her off, okay? What's, come on, gosh, what's going on here? You got the one girl in training on the till? And I saw her and I realized in that moment, oh, man, she just needs a break. She just needs some grace. And this is probably the Holy Spirit. I don't take much credit for it. I said, hey, listen, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's all right. You're just in training. You're figuring this out. Tomorrow's going to be better. I could just see in this moment just like her shoulders just kind of, just kind of went down. I could see her just kind of, kind of breathe. Okay. Thanks, thanks. I really appreciate that. You can see she's on the bridge of just emotion and tears. Gentleness, there's something about it. It just loosens up those who are around us. It changes the atmosphere. We could use some gentleness. See, gentleness is when you have the power to break something but choose to mend it. Gentleness is when you could start a war but you decide to make peace. Gentleness is when you could throw insults, but you choose to love. Gentleness is when you have the power to embarrass someone publicly, but decide to address it privately. Gentleness is when you could cut down, but you decide to build up. Gentleness is when you know you're right, but you choose to listen. Gentleness is how God treats us. It isn't being a pushover or allowing others to win. It's not allowing injustice to happen in front of you. Gentleness isn't apathy. It isn't weakness. Gentleness is strength. The strength that you have under control for the master's use. We're called to be humble and we're called to be gentle. And thirdly, he calls us to love. To patient love. Enduring love. Putting up with kind of love. Look what he says, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you being called by God, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I'm not going to dig into patience. I think in order to be patient, we need a whole lot of humility and a lot of gentleness. So I'm not going to dig into patience, but it's amazing after this incredibly difficult call to humility and gentleness that now he's calling us to patience, endurance, patient endurance, Making allowance for each other's faults? Oh, Paul, you're just grading me here, okay? But I want to talk about our motivation for these things, for this third point. He says, because I think it's, it's more key and important than we realize. It's not just a call to patience. Okay, I'm going to muster up humility and, and gentleness and patience. No, it's, it's actually, it's rooted and grounded in love. It's rooted and grounded In love, because of your love, would you do these things? Because of your love, make allowance because of your love. I think a better translation, if you look into the original language, it says putting up with one another because of your love. See, this is the difference between the church and a club. In a club, you can kick someone out for various reasons. But families, and the church is meant to be a family, they, they, they put up with each other. They stick it out with each other. They still, or should, I know this isn't always the case, see each other. Why? Because of their love for one another. Because of love in their hearts. There's this book that I read to Emmy uh, from time to time. She loves books. She loves reading we have so, so many books. You want to give Emmy a book? Don't buy her like a plastic car that she can drive around the house. We live in an apartment, okay? <laughs> buy her a book. Buy her a book. She loves books. And there's this book uh, called With the Love in Our Hearts. With the Love in Our Hearts. And it's about two, two rabbits. One named Big and another called Boo. And Boo, he's, he's little and he doesn't want to walk home. He's, they're a long way from home and he's tired. He doesn't want to walk home. And so Big says to Boo, he says, he says, "Hey Boo, listen, with the love in our hearts, we can do anything." And then he turned the page and it says, "With love in our hearts, we could cap every mountain with uh, with with piles of 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 loving snow piled high. With the love in our hearts, we could color every rainbow. With the love in our hearts, we could turn storms uh, into sunny days. With the love in our hearts," and he continues and it goes through all these scenarios. I wanted to bring the book, I forgot. It says, with the love in our hearts, we can do anything. And I believe it is true. With the love in our hearts, if we truly have love for one another, we can do anything, even be humble and gentle and put up with each other in love. And although this is kind of a a cute little illustration, I really do believe that it's true. With the love in our hearts, we can do anything. I've heard it being said this, that love, love is still the most powerful force on planet Earth. There's nothing more powerful than love. Martin Luther King Jr. said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And I believe it is possible for us to be and do this church if we love one another. I think of the Apostle John. He's actually buried in Ephesus. When I went there, I stood over his grave. And they would have heard the Apostle John preach from time to time. He was the pastor after Paul and Timothy in the area of Asia Minor. And it was said of John, the one disciple who was not killed because of his faith in Jesus Christ. They tried to kill him. They tried to boil him to death in oil. He wouldn't die. So they threw him on an island called Patmos, and he died of old age there. But it was said of John, any time there was a problem in the church, any time there was a a ruckus, any time there was some division, People walk up to him, well, Pastor John, okay, they said this, they did this, and his response was always this. Well, did he love them? Did he love one another? Yeah, but you don't understand. No, just love one another. Hey, well, listen, you know, we, we, we think communion should be done this way. Remember Jesus, he was sitting there at the, you know, the Last Supper, and he, he broke, the, it should be like this, and, you know, I think, just love one another. Right, Hey, listen, but they, 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 they think this about God, or they were acting that, hey, would you just love one another? It, apparently it frustrated his congregants time and time again. And if you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you'll see this theme over and over again. The, the beloved disciple, his, his response to every problem and every situation was this. Love one another. Love one another. You know where I think he got that from? it's pretty obvious on the night when Jesus was betrayed he sat down and he broke the body and he broke he he broke the bread and he, he poured out the wine and he spoke some last words on the last day to his disciples and he said these words love one another as I've loved you love one another it is by your love nothing else It is by your love that the world will know that you are my disciples. It is by your love that the world will know you belong to me. It is by your love the world will know that you are part of this family called God. Would you bear and put up and make allowances and be humble and gentle with one another because of your love? Because it is by our love that the world will know that we belong to Jesus. I think of that old song, They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know that we're Christians by our love. It's true. They'll know that we're Christians by our love, our love for one another. And why should we do this? I love that this text says, listen, would we commit to unity at all costs? Would we commit to being unified at all costs? Would you make every effort, every single effort to be unified? Make every effort to be unified. Why? Why? It says because there is one, one spirit and one body and one glorious hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, and in all, and through all. He is in all. Paul is calling us to unity and love for one another, and to be the church because there is only one. There is not two. There is only one body of Christ. Anyone who believes, whether they belong to a different denomination... They belong, they they are part of the body of Christ. There is one body, there's not multiple bodies. We are just part of the body that is gathering here in Coquitlam, in this building at this time. But there are believers all over the world. There is one body, he says, guys. There's one body and one spirit and one faith and one baptism. There's There's not many of these things. There's just one. In a sense, and you've heard me say this before for those of you on launch team, we have more in common than that which separates us. We have more in common of, of things of first importance than that which is separating us in these times. Vaxed unvaxed, left right, lockdown, live it up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I I either side. I know that these things, they irk us, they frustrate us, and they have separated us. But Paul is reminding us that we have more in common, friends, in the things of first importance than that which separates us. And that is why we as a church will always strive for unity, unity over anything else. Because, friends, we have more in common than that which separates us. Because there is one spirit in one body we have there's one faith there's not two faiths there was one baptism you, 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 we were all baptized in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit there's one god it's not oh this is our jesus our version of jesus and this is your jesus and our jesus is like this and you, there's one jesus who is over all and in all and through all, and yes, I know that some people distort him and some people distort things, and that's why we have like 33,000 different denominations. But I'll tell you right now, most of those denominations, aside from the cults, the the things that are separating them are things of secondary importance. It's not who our God is. It's not what Jesus has done for us. It's not, it's not, we have more in common, friends, with our, with our, you know, pentecostal neighbors and our baptist neighbors and even our catholic neighbors than that which separates us we have far more in common than that which separates us and he's calling us to oneness amidst all of our differences we have more in common than that which separates us and more than that friends i want to remind us that jesus died to make us family Jesus died to make us family, and it probably makes sense at this point to invite up the band and the, the ushers who are going to be serving communion. He died to make us family. When he died on that cross, he died for us, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and he died for all the believers who belonged to the Baptists, and he died for all the Pentecostals and the Catholics, and to be honest, anybody, anybody and everybody who would claim and place their faith in his name, I find it interesting. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, then you'll be saved. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit uh, still uses spiritual gifts today. And if you confess with your mouth that baptism is by immersion. If you confess with your mouth that, you know, you could go through all the different theological things that separate. If you confess with your mouth that all should be vaccinated, right? It doesn't say that. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's it. Jesus is Kyrios. And believe in your heart that he rose from the grave. Then you will be saved. I might be ruffling some feathers today. We've been called to be one. We've been called to be unified. And whether you're here in person or you are here on Zoom, we are one church. We are one family in the midst of a really divisive and hard time. Jesus died to make us family and I think of the prayer as Jesus was standing over Jerusalem he was standing over Jerusalem and he was praying for his church and he said father I pray that they would be one as you and I are one and it's 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 far too sad that in this day and age we are not one are we we're very divided as the church Jesus's heart is this is that we would rally we would gather together we would link arms with those who are different than us under one banner that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And actually that's what started the alliance, the Christian Missionary Alliance. It was the coming together of dozens of denominations under one tent. They called it a tabernacle to worship God. So I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna take communion together and we'll worship I'll come back up. Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this text. Oh, I'm sure it's rubbing some of us the wrong way. Oh, I'm sure that it's gonna be really hard to live. Your text talks about this one spirit that all lives and dwells within us. And spirit of God, I pray that you would help us as the church to live this out. Help us, God, to rally together under your name. Help us, God, to remain unified in the midst of incredible division. Help us to be humble and gentle and to love one another as you have loved us. Because Jesus, you died to make us family. Jesus, you died to build your church. Jesus, you died to make us one. Help us to do that and be that pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to pass out communion. And uh, we'll invite you guys to come up here to the front. Um, try and give people around you some space as you're coming forward, okay? And, uh, but take communion. Come back to your seat. You can take it when you're ready. Don't rush up all at once, especially in days and times like these. Let's sing and worship together. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.